I've got one TV with a surround sound setup and one TV in my basement that needed a sound upgrade, desperately. Enter the Sonos Arc. It's a new premium soundbar. Before the Arc, I had issues with sound in my barren basement. The TV is in this little concrete cove and I couldn't make out some dialogue and everything was just a little muffled. It was irritating. But the Arc has a true play tuning software that takes into account the unique acoustics of the given room. And you can turn on speech enhancement to clarify people articulating their desire to find a partner in love on the spectrum. God, I love that show. And I love it even more now. When the TV is off, you can stream music, podcasts, audiobooks, or radio. I'm too lazy to be looking for new music, so I have really loved Sonos Radio. Some of my favorite stations are Rare Grooves, Hip Hop Archive, or just Mainstream. Go to Sonos.com to learn more and get your Sonos Arc today. Rose Mary. Why God must have delivered those oils himself. The peas take a bath. The break. The cut. The parade. Thank you for screening that. Why livers? Yes, the neighbors of the lungs. People sleep on livers. I prefer mines in brown gravy drenched over a bed of white rice. The way you folded that into the flour delivered by the angels. You have laid the liver to rest in a skillet of hot oil. Vampires are shooketh. The garlic is overpowering. Be careful, meth heads see that torch and they're gonna go crazy. Artwork on the plate. It feels as though I'm preparing myself for an interview with Hannibal Lecter. The wine is always decadent. You, sir, have misbehaved. Good morning, sweet world! And welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Saturday, September 26th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us live here, as always, Tess Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tessie, we got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey-o! Hey-o! The international man of mystery, taking it to the max here on a Saturday, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm-hmm. Decadent. <laughs> and last but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. JD having a lot of fun looking at TikTok over the last couple days, <laughs> finding these gems, these cold opens, incredible I work. I think that was Trey found that one. Oh, okay. Apologies. Apologies. Decadent. Delicious. Uh, that's a good one. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube on a Saturday. My goodness, you guys are great. And shout out to everyone else listening to the podcast, watching a little bit later in the day. Keep your questions and your comments coming for our next Beach Steppin podcast. Email them in nodunks at theathletic.com and tweet them in at nodunksinc. We got a fun, really random story and question a little bit later in the show, but we start with the game recap. Eastern Conference. Celtics stay alive task. They control the second half. Dominant second half performance. Beat the Heat to win game five. Still down 3-2, of course, in the East Finals, but uh, pretty impressive second half especially to uh, to live to fight another day, to fight another day on Sunday. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, it's like Brad Stevens said in that uh, soundtracks, the inside tracks that we got. I'm finally starting to see the Boston Celtics back again. I haven't seen them in a while. And that's kind of what we expected coming into this series if the Celtics are going to advance that third quarter where they channeled the energy. I thought uh, with Kemba getting fiery in the second quarter, I thought maybe things weren't going to go well after that ridiculous call against Jimmy Butler. Uh, I didn't think Kemba would channel it properly but apparently he went into the locker room and said hey it's not like we're not bringing the energy Mm -hmm. but let's figure this thing out and uh, they were amazing we're all going to talk about the offense but really it was the way they turned their defense into offense and uh, and how they weren't jumping on the ball handler Uh, instead they were kind of covering bam at a bio we've seen earlier in the series bam would just roll Dunkaroo, but Daniel Tice was doing a really good job of hanging with Bam and basically eliminating him. And somehow they found a way to turn over the Miami Heat over and over and over. They got into the penalty with only seven minutes and I think 19 seconds left in the third quarter. Daniel Tice, as I mentioned, Z German uh, was so good 
Uh, no one ever calls him Z German. No one really cares where he's from, apparently. Uh, we always just say Daniel Tice. But uh, Z German was so good that he was able to stay on the floor. This was by far his best game. So they couldn't get outboarded. Uh, they didn't have to go to the the five smaller, their five best players. And uh, they they left Jay Crowder alone a little bit. And, and we'll talk about his. <laughs> he has regressed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the guys have. And then they produced a 41 point quarter, which was phenomenal. I think that's going to be a bit of an outlier, but that turned the game around because they went from defense to offense and were just super duper aggressive and it uh, it turned the game no doubt and it just shows you how good the Celtics can be. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, be honest with me though. Boston, starting this game, they missed 11 of their first 12 shots, I think. They turned the ball over four or five times. They were down 17 to five. It wasn't looking good. Did you at the time think Miami Heat are going to the NBA Finals here, or did you still believe in a little Celtic pride there? I don't know if you've seen that movie or not. <laughs> no, I haven't. But <laughs> doesn't uh, star Adam Sandler, so probably in, not. <laughs> in, in some ways, on, honestly, watching this, I was like, this is actually not bad for the Celtics because they're not going to be playing this badly for the entire game. They're not going to get mm. blown out in an elimination game. And you often hear coaches talk about elimination games. It's hard to play with a lead, and it's hard to close out. And even towards the end of that second quarter, there. I could feel the the Celtics like, okay, you know what? Let's be a little bit more aggressive here. We're not going to play as badly as we started, and we can attack this team and we can score. And in that third quarter, a credit, of course, goes to the Celtics' defense there. But I really think that the Miami Heat panicked. They, they panicked because they couldn't get anything going on their offensive end. And I think a part of that was they, they just got nervous. It's like this is a closeout game. The same sort of thing happened against the Milwaukee Bucks when they tried to close it out. They weren't able to do that. So it's difficult for them. And once the Celtics got that sort of flow and that momentum, if you believe in things like that, you could just feel them believing that this game was theirs for the taking and, and that Miami really couldn't get back into it. Because you didn't really see a strong Miami push to get back to this game. I know they made a couple of baskets from time to time, but Boston felt absolutely in control from that third quarter onwards and really like pounded them. And I thought you, you mentioned Daniel Tice was good. They also got some good minutes out of Ennis Cantor coming off the bench yeah, there. Yeah, especially in the first half. Yeah. Exactly. He only played 10 minutes in the end. And I was a little surprised he didn't play a little bit more because the one skill he has, or he has two skills, he's a good offensive rebounder and he's good at inside at using his body. And he did that. He hit his first four baskets. I think he missed a couple after that. But uh, that was sort of gave them a little punch as well. It's a guy rarely used, comes out, gives them some baskets when they were sort of struggling a little bit. And ultimately, you know, that, that sort of almost uh, energized the, uh, the rest of the team. So I think this is a very, very impressive win from Boston. Um, and I'd be a little worried about being Miami here because once the Celtics attack inside the paint, it really seems like the Heat, their defense, as great as it has been, there's got some holes in it as well. And I think Boston also has figured out if they do go to zone, just move that ball around and guys get open looks. And you saw that several times as well last night. So this this series is absolutely alive. And uh, and Boston, I don't think, are feeling right now that they're just hanging on for dear life. I think they feel very, very strongly that they can win this series. And after last night's performance, uh, why wouldn't they think, think that? Yeah, yeah. I hate to take us on a tangent, but I saw Schumann say that Ennis Cantor might be the best tan going down there in the bubble. I think he's got a great point. Nice, nice tan. Myers Leonard's got a pretty good base going as well. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone Can't else you want to add to the mix, but yeah, Cantor was good. You're right, Lee. It shocked me that he had only played 10 minutes too, because it felt like important minutes for the Celtics, uh, for him as you know, obviously contributing 10 points there in just the 10 minutes. But Trey, what'd you think of this one? I mean, Miami, a big storyline with them here is what, 7-36 from distance, and they are now shooting 25%, under 25% actually, on threes in the last 13 quarters of play. And this was one of the best shooting teams, you know, of the playoffs, really of the season when it comes to percentages. And they've gone ice cold. Is that Celtics credit um, because of the defense? Or is it just a case of like Crowder, Dragic, and these guys just uh, hitting a bad time to not be able to knock down a three? What do you think? Or maybe a little both, I guess. Little of both is exactly right. The Celtics have been a pretty solid defensive team guarding the three-point line for the entirety of the season. And it's just a matter of a regression to the mean for the Miami Heat because they're still getting shots. They're just missing them. And, you know... um, Duncan Robinson, like he had a pretty solid game. He ended up with 20 points, but even he only made three threes and they all came pretty early on, went three for 11. You got two from Tyler Hero, but then just two more from the rest of the team. And the Heat need to be able to hit threes to score efficiently because they've been a great three-point shooting team for the whole year. But we know you can get cold from three and it happens. Um, Unfortunately for us, Brad Stevens really spoiled the uh, analysis of this game when he said that. We're playing Celtics basketball in the middle of the third quarter or whatever it was because that's exactly right. The Celtics 
look like the more talented team here, but the Heat are a lot more consistent. You seem to get the the full effort from Miami more often than you do from Boston. Yep. But when Boston plays hard, when they're committed to uh, making defensive stops and then turning that defense to offense, getting into early offense, they look great. You just don't necessarily get it every single night. You don't get it every single half, but you got it in the second half last night, and that third quarter was amazing. Tatum was so good, I thought, um, just seizing the opportunities in early offense. There was a stretch where it went from kind of uh, the Celtics were down six to up six, and that was like all Tatum to me, just hitting pull-ups and getting to the free-throw line sort of area, just taking the shots that you expect them to take. It was a superstar second-half performance from him again, and that's what the Celtics need to win. Tass, Bam took the blame for this loss for the Heat. He said, this one's mine. This one's mine. He said, I played like shit. Bottom line, I put that game on me. It's not my teammate's fault. It's not my coach's fault. It's me. I missed too many shots I should have made. Put that one on me. He's doubling, tripling down on put that on me. You talked about Tice. He really outplayed him. Like you said, he, he was great. Um, does Bam have a point here? And maybe the injury uh, is a fair excuse for him? What do you think? Nah. It had nothing to do with uh, him alone. Uh, yeah, he was not great. Sure. Um, he was outplayed. He was outquicked. Uh, but so were the Miami Heat. Yeah, the Celtics were just uh, a lot faster to everything. And there was a lot on Bam in this game because they didn't play zone the way they did the, the first four games of the series. Only 10 possessions of zone, according to Cooper Moorhead. That's not a lot uh, when they played it 50 times uh, in game four. So there's a lot on the, the pick and roll guy in the back. And so uh, that's Bam's job. And uh, he was struggling with that. But I really think it was the transition game. Uh, the the second chance points, the fast break points in that third quarter when the Celtics don't have to challenge Bam in a half court defensive set. That's right. really what it was, and um, and so they came into this game obviously with a lot of energy. The Celtics did in the first half, even, uh, but in the in the locker room when they went uh, into halftime, they realized, whoa, 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 uh, this <laughs> is this is the end of our season, and so they were ready to scrap fight and. Uh, extra little hops uh, on the defensive end. Uh, you could see it from Jalen Brown challenging absolutely everything. The best looks that Miami got in the third quarter were challenged big time. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so, no, nah, it's not on Bam. It's on the it's on the whole team to get back and to make sure they box out. Like Trey said, this is a, a team that's so dangerous because all the guys perform um, on both ends. And, uh, yeah, you can't. Can't put it on Bam's arm because the Heat weren't moving their feet properly. And so, yeah, he wasn't great. Tice, this was the best Tice game we've seen um, this series. And yep. uh, and it makes the lineups so much better uh, for the Boston Celtics that he can play. And I think the reason why he plays over Canner is because you can trust him on the defensive end. Sure. That wouldn't happen <laughs> with Canner out there. Uh, no, the, no. The, the, the transition game, which is which is how they, they just flipped this game. It was... A tale of two halves. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it was it was amazing how quickly. I mean, they went from being down to like being up, like Lee said, like quite comfortably, and In then control, never, yeah. yeah, never really relinquishing that. One thing with Bam, Mike Prada, who's a great follow on Twitter, guy does a phenomenal job. I think of like breaking down the game and showing you clips and stuff like that. He noticed one adjustment. I saw him tweeting about with Boston and how they attacked Bam. I thought it was a astute point. When Bam switched onto a perimeter player, what the Celtics would instead do is they would then move the ball to like the second side and clear that guy out. So what that was doing then was just taking Bam basically out of the play because he's no longer a rim protector or a switch defender because he's just, he's already on the other side and he's sort of, he likes to jump around a lot. So you can sort of exploit that a little bit, but he just becomes a help guy. And that's what you want to do with obviously a phenomenal defender like him. Just try and remove them. So that was one really cool point there, I thought, from Mike Prada. And if he shared a couple of clips where you're like, that's exactly what's happening here. Mm. They get Bam switched onto a guy, and you're like, okay, Jalen could try and take him. No, that's not going to be a great look. Bam can move his feet. He's phenomenal. So move it. Find somebody else and get Bam, Bam excuse me, again, sort of out of the play defensively. And it worked a couple times. There was um, just so- a lot going on for the Celtics last right. night. There was a lot of motions in their offense to kind of have the defense a little bit unsettled before they were attacking. And that's exactly what Brad Stevens was talking about when he said early, we got to hit singles. Not everybody's socking dingers out there, Lee. <laughs> Sometimes you got to play small ball and do it all together, right? Because that's the thing, like Tass is saying, like Kemba Walker said, we had energy in the first half. It was just everybody was trying to hit a three-pointer, hitting, trying to hit a 30-point shot that's going to bring them back to play in a game seven immediately. That's not how you do it. They got together. They played as a team. They used everybody on offense to make things tough for the Heat. 
That's when the Celtics are at their best. They look great last night. It was similar to game three when every time they caught the ball, they're like, we're going to the rim. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just Mm -hmm. a matter of being able to do it and keeping that effort and that execution for an entire 48 minutes. Let me jump on this this, uh, uh, baseball chat here for a sec real quick because something happened last night that is despicable. You said small ball. Apparently... There was a guy bunting to try and break up a no-hitter. Oh, you don't do shameful. that. Wow. Lame. Wow. Shameful. Now, it, it was one of those group no-hitters that are happening in baseball mm. these days where it's multiple don't, pitchers. I don't care for those either. I'd like to point no. that out. But don't count it. <laughs> but but our pitch, pitchers are pitching less these days. Uh, there's more Short relief Short season. Happening. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Load yeah. management. Yeah, well, I think just in general, even last year, but this year for sure, I, just, I saw Ryu of the Blue Jays was the first guy to pitch 100 pitches in seven innings this wow. season for our team, wow. or for the Jays. Somebody trying to break up a no-hitter with a bunt? That's way worse than a bat flip. Get out of here. Oh, that was- oh, we had ourselves a bat flip last night, too, Tassie. You see Wilson Contreras threw this bat like 40 feet in the air. It, it was amazing. so high. I actually awesome. saw, the only reason I saw that, Trey, is because right after this game, they go to S, uh, Scott Van, Van Pelt, SVP, and uh, what does he start the show with, like, one thing I saw or one thing I really liked yeah, or something? Yeah. And it was that bat flip. I was like, <laughs> That was wicked. That was awesome. That was incredible how high he threw that. And apparently they did throw at him later in the game, I think. Oh, yeah. You're catching a bean ball, no doubt. Yeah. Shout out to the bean town, boys. <laughs> You're catching some bean balls if you bat flip in baseball. Wow. That bat flip making the headlines. So many bat flips. Because I thought you were talking about Ronald Acuna, who hit no. a 495-foot oh! bomb. Almost 500 feet for a leadoff hitter. Whoo. Lead off hitter with pop. What is and this? A nice the baseball bat Jones here? My goodness. <laughs> Lee, Lee, you were going to say something, I think, basketball related before we went off on that little tangent there. What were you yes, yes, I was. Uh, you know, we all know Bam is a great defender, uh, but when he's off the court and you've got Kelly Olinick out there, I mean, he just got lost. He's like Plumley is kind of for the Nuggets, like not boxing out, uh, really doesn't obviously protect the rim, not knocking the ball in either. So he's not, he only played, I think, four or five minutes in the end. And then you got someone like Derek Jones, who's a bit tall, a bit more athletic, but n- nowhere near as intimidating around the rim as uh, as Bam is. So that's the thing with the Heat is when Bam's off, it is like we got to sort of hang on here, tread water a little bit, and not get uh, not get exploited because they just simply don't have a reliable big who can go out there uh, and do what he can do. So that that's another thing I think for Boston is if they can try to get Bam in foul trouble. I think he had I think he only had two in the first half, but they they're sort of wary of that for Heat that he's going to have to rest a little bit. And if he does pick up foul trouble, then they have a huge hole in the middle of the court there. And uh, that's something that Boston, I think, is is really trying to go after. And I think they will in the next game for sure. Uh, At what part of this podcast do we rake Jimmy Butler's performance in this game? Another no-show. TK barely heard his name mentioned as this game went on. I thought this guy was a superstar. That's not a good look here in this series. Once again for Jimmy, Trey. It's crazy. Yeah, I guess so. 17, 8, and 8 doesn't cut it when we're talking about a guy who's top 10 in the league. And I 100% agree. He didn't uh, 100% show up there in the second half. I didn't feel like he put his stamp on the game, tried to take over, tried to put a an end to the run that the Celtics were on. He could have done more. There's no doubt about it. Uh, And I think he said so afterwards, just as well. He said, this isn't totally on Bam. It's on me just as much. Um, And yeah, it was a, it was a poor performance from Butler. He tends to, he's been doing that a lot and he's been getting a lot of praise for getting guys involved early on. I did think he was looking to score a little bit in the first half. I agree. Not so much in the second half. Uh, And yeah, um, I don't know if this was him pulling another rad I think this is your reference, Skeets, where you let the the guy who's behind catch up. Yep, that's right. But uh, if he was pulling another red, I don't know if they made a sequel, but uh, I never hear you talk about a sequel, so I'm guessing not. The sequels no. are never as good, and it didn't work out for Jimmy last night either. Well, yeah, there's no point making a sequel to Rat when the movie's perfection as it is. I mean, you can't do double perfect movie. You know, it's impossible. But you're right, Bart Taylor stopping during Hell Track, letting Crew Jones catch up. Um, but the Celtics, unfortunately, took the shortcut through the kick cereal bowl. Oh! That's a reference for everybody out there. Uh, but yeah. I was thinking about this, though, on back on this game. I was like, who is the best Heat player in this game? I mean, Duncan Robinson was hitting shots early, but they completely took him out in the second half. Oh, yeah. Drogic, I guess, had a fine game until he fouled out. I mean, is there anyone else I'm missing? Because it felt like there was like four or five, maybe six Celtics players. Because you guys are saying, you know, we sort of glossed over Tatum and Jalen Brown's unbelievable games. You know, 31-10 and 10 for Tatum. Brown, incredible, 28. Tice, awesome. Smart was fine. Gordon Hayward, fine. You know, like... It felt like five or six Celtics players were ahead of maybe the best Heat player in this game, unless I'm forgetting somebody. No, I would agree. I thought this was uh, 
this was definitely a Celtics game out there. There was no, there were no Heat that really put their stamp on the game. Duncan Robinson came out in the first quarter, looked incredible. It was like, is anybody going to guard this guy? He's one of the best shooters in the league. He was hitting some tough, tough mm-hmm. shots. But uh, ultimately, it was just a, a, the matter of the Celtics playing a little bit harder and looking like the better team out there. That doesn't usually happen with Miami. It doesn't, they're not a team that you're really worried about their effort, but they just weren't 100% there. We've seen it before when they were ready to close out the Bucks and they didn't do it right away. So, I don't know. Rad 2. Are we going to get a Rad 3? We shall see. But uh, I would bet against it. I would not think that we're going to get another um, anonymous performance from the Heat. Oh, well, that, that, that anonymous performance needs to come from uh, someone like Jay Crowder. Six for 33 of his last three-pointers. Uh, you know, he was so hot against the Bucks, Yeah. And now he can't hit anything. You know, and he's getting open looks too. I think that I think the Celtics are like... We can live with Jay Crowder going off because it just is not reliable. And it's funny just how streaky that things go like that. Because in that Buck series, he was hitting everything. A ball would come out to him on a second chance. He'd knock it in straight away. Now, again, he's getting the looks. Yeah. And they're just clanking. Iguodala's not giving them anything offensively. I know we, he's out there for his experience defensively and, you know, to facilitate when needed on the offense. But uh, there's a couple of players there for the Heat that I think the Celtics are like, we're okay with these guys out on the floor on the offensive end. They can shoot all they want because uh, they're, they're just not knocking them down and killing us with these baskets. This loss marked the 18th time this season the Heat have blown a lead or 10 or more points too. So there's been a lot of instances uh, throughout the Heat season where they've been up big and uh, let a team back into the game to ultimately steal it. I, I was happy that we got this Celtics performance in the second half. I thought this first half was really a tough watch. Uh, there just wasn't a great flow to it. It was stop and go. Uh, I don't know. I was mentally checked out a little bit, too. I'm dealing with the puppy. I was like, I was sort of watching. I sort of wasn't. And then finally got that puppy in the crate, puppy to bed, and was like, all right, come on, Celtics. Make this a game. And they didn't. I I just like seeing... Put the dogs to bed and let's watch some basketball. That's right. That's right. I I like seeing a team that we all consider a title contender, if they're down and they're on the ropes in an elimination game, their star guys... You know, show up. They're not like they they go for it. And like again, I think Tatum and Brown were phenomenal in the second half, especially. And you're right, Tass is like spot on. It's like it was defense leading to a lot of this, a lot of transition points. That's awesome. But it's just cool. Like we're not going down without a fight here, and uh, not on our watch. I mean, I'm at least going to attack, and especially Tatum there. Like Trey said in the third was awesome. I also like that we got a little Grant Williams little Irish jig on the sidelines, <laughs> a little dance. That meant fleet-footed Tass. I think that guy is for a bigger guy. I think that guy could do damage like a rhino sentence on the dance floor could he not <laughs> glad you mentioned rhino sentence right? dancing I, I i always think a rhino sentence being able to dance uh i actually must have missed it i must have been taking care of my dog i didn't oh, see grant it was, pretty, it was pretty late in the game it was when the celtics were you know in full control someone must have knocked down a three maybe it was a brown three or something like that did you guys see it lee did you see the irish jig uh, I, I oh you guys all missed the irish jig I, I was the same as tass there sort of once the game kind of was over there you sort of checked out because uh it, it was like such a dominant third quarter that was the only kind of fun quarter of the game really last night it was uh <laughs> Because that first quarter, and that's one thing I did notice, actually, I think it was in the first quarter or maybe the start of the second, when the Celtics were down, a little bit of finger pointing there, Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker, and I think that's something that the Heat have to focus on to try to get them to uh, implode a little bit. We've already seen Marcus Smart get upset once in this series, and uh, if they're down again, maybe that's one one uh, weakness they can exploit a little bit because we know there's a little. But, bit but of what do you mean? How do you exploit that? Like, <laughs> well, you, I explain know, that more. You, you've got to try to get under their skin a little bit, and, uh, and that because you know that's the thing. Marcus Martin's an emotional guy, brings lots to the table, but uh, sort of can sometimes uh, let it out a little bit more than perhaps the team would like. You know. Uh, and uh, <laughs> wants to keep those sorts of things no. indoors. But I've just noticed... I think he's pretty of, consistent with that in wins or losses. Yeah, but I, I hear the, it. A little bit of like, hey, that was your... What were you doing? Hey, yeah, that was... No, that's not me. That was you, you know? That sort of stuff. So... Uh, Hey, look, they've been in the bubble forever, man. They must have been <laughs> well, well, no, that's minus. exactly. And, and I, again, Van Pelt talked about this after the game. He said, him and Legler were talking like, hey, you're down that big. You've been in this bubble for months. Yeah. You might just go... <laughs> Hey guys, let's just go home. Yeah, oh it's a, God, you yeah. easily could. You could pack it in. You're obviously playing a team that you've played very competitively, very close games. But you could, you're getting sort of your ass handed to you. Shots won't fall, and you could just go. I just want to get out of here. Yeah. Um, and they didn't. And again, that's my point. It was like pretty cool to see that, especially led by your superstars. Like, no, no, no. We're gonna play on Sunday. 
you know, I don't know if we're going to win this series. Like, I don't know if any of you guys are still picking the Celtics to pull this off. Do we see another 3-1 comeback um, here in the in the bubble? I don't think it's far-fetched, is it, Trey? Oh, no, Certainly not far-fetched. No. You know, the Celtics can show up every any night and be the better team out there. It's just a matter of, are they going to do it? And 3-1 comebacks seem more likely in the mm-hmm. bubble. Um it wasn't just the, the Celtics, though, who were looking a little bit bubbly in the first half, as Tim Legler said. Jeff Van Gundy all got called out for having bubbleitis. I thought that was great when Mike <laughs> Breen was like, hey, man, it sounds like you got bubbleitis because apparently he showed up uh, like downstairs in their hotel in slippers and a robe for breakfast. <laughs> He's like, yeah, the bubble got me. I'm over it. He was like too nice about somebody's terrible defense. So yeah. like, you got bubbleitis. I didn't know that was the, the diagnosis for it, but it sounds legit. <laughs> Yeah, was, I thought Jeff Van Gundy was fantastic yesterday, both with his uh, curmudgeon rants, but also his analysis. I thought he was he was on point in that first half. They were they were killing it. There was some finger pointing going on in the broadcast booth. Mark Jackson pointing at <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy pointing at Mark Jackson. That's understandable. They're, they've sure. been in the bubble too, but I think the the pointing, the finger pointing, is good for the Boston Celtics. It produced their best quarter. Of the series, 41-point quarter in that third queue after Kemba was so fiery uh, with that Jimmy Butler call, non-call. Is it a hostile act? Is it a flagrant? Is it a technical? Nobody freaking knows what a foul is anymore. That's why Jeff Van Gundy got angry, uh, and that's understandable uh, why Kemba was was angry. Uh, But they channeled it so perfectly in, in that third queue. We just haven't seen a quarter where... They are all clicking at the same time, and that was the the first one. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little skeptical if they can do it again. I think they uh, they the Heat needed a guy. You talked about Jimmy Butler not being superstar like, just to settle things down and to take some shots. And he had Kemba on his back a few times where they cleared out everything, and. Everybody else is on the other side of the floor, but Jimmy's still trying to be the facilitator. I think in those instances where you could just turn over your shoulder and shoot over Kemba, you just got to do it (laughs) because it's a pretty good percentage shot when you got a guy who's uh, far smaller than you. But at the same time, this whole Jimmy's not a superstar thing is working out pretty freaking well. Uh, They're up 3-2, and he's getting everybody involved. And they kind of take their turns, too, the way the, the Celtics do. Hey, it's Tatum time. Hey, it's Kemba time. But they move it more. And and so it's hard to knock Jimmy right now. It, it, it's even though I, I knock him on those possessions when he should be beating Kemba. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the only times I, I I see him just trying to trying to write things. But it's easy to poke point fingers at them when they lose a game. Uh, and, and it just uh, they've they've been playing so well. So this is just this. I think this will be a little blip for them as well. Mm, we will see. So we won't we won't make our predictions for Game Six yet because we're going to be back. Tomorrow on Sunday uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern live on YouTube to, uh, you know, break down tonight's game, which is the Nuggets-Lakers, and see if the Lakers can close that out. Or if the Nuggets can start to get everybody all excited again and win another one and try and come back for a third time from down 3-1. So we'll make our Sunday predictions with this uh, East Finals uh, battle on Sunday's podcast. Anything else to add to this game, though? Any uh, random moments? Anything like, what do you think of the officiating? Um, Tass, you said we shouldn't be knocking Jimmy, but uh, Goran Dragic certainly knocked a Jimmy last night with the flying knee yeah. right to the groin of Daniel Tice, man. He that was like a John Jones fly knee. And what do you think about that play, foul, Trey? Right? What do you think about that play? Because I know they were arguing about it. I think Van Gundy was like, that's not an offensive foul. Like, the guy is going for a layup. Yeah, but then Mark Jackson said he would murder him if that happened. Yeah. Out of the <laughs> I mean, it's tough. Uh, if you're going up straight up playing defense and you catch a knee right to the nuts how is it not a foul that's the question is how is that not a foul but if you're Goran Dragic going up for a lefty layup you go up with your right knee and your left hand like right. just how it is <laughs> I uh, thought that don't one was lead with the Jimmy <laughs> yeah he got him in the Jimmys but I thought that one was different in that the the defender wasn't there when the the offensive player decided to bring up the knee uh, he was in his layup motion and then Daniel Tice came over to block the shot and just caught the knee with his jimmies. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? It wasn't knee to Jimmy. It was more Jimmy to knees in that instance. So I don't know how you call it. He was putting I, his, I don't, I don't his like nuts that on the line last night. Yeah, I don't like that call personally, but I, I get it. I don't yeah. want anyone to be hitting the nuts, but I mean, he's going for a layup. He's not, he's like literally trying. I don't think when Dragic is going up for the layup, he sees an opening to, you know, like give a little knee to the nuts there. I, he's trying to finish a layup over a big dude coming at him. So it's just unfortunate. I mean, it happens in basketball it's a contact sport but uh, mm. that was his sixth foul right that's mm-hmm. that was the one that took him yep. out and, guys and are getting hit in the nuts oh, yeah. like all the time in the bubble right now we got to start wearing cups out there i know we're not talking baseball again but it might be something <laughs> to think about hey. lee you also mentioned you were checked out uh, of the game last night, and I could tell because there were some serious no dunks things happening there in the second half. I'm tweeting at Lee, zero response. Oh, I appreciate wow. you following up on Slack this morning. But, man, where were these incredible highlights? Gordon Hayward caught an alley-oop on the break, finished with a finger roll. Are you kidding me? What's this guy got to go teach P.E. at 8 a.m.? What was that? And then a couple of possessions later, Bam Adebayo hits like a 10-footer from the baseline. I was like, yeah! Yeah. These guys are doing these dumb plays that we're always talking about because none of us have actual athleticism. Well, that's a funny thing. So uh, last night's game, it was a weird game, definitely. And uh, and so after about, I think the game was pretty much over at that point so I just shut down my computer I'm like all right I'm not there's nothing left for tonight (laughs) and uh I was facetiming with family in Australia last night so I had no battery life on my phone so I was charging that as well so yeah I wake up this morning and I've got some tweets from Trey's like can you put these clips up like oh my god I'm like you know I'm really turning into CJ Zero getting requests now for clips (laughs) well don't worry Lee I don't think uh it's still 12 hours after the game ended I don't think they've been posted yeah nobody's really fighting over the fast break layups I'll get that I'll get that after the show yeah but uh it's like every other night of the playoffs I'm pretty sure maybe one night or so I've stayed up until the end of the games, kept the computer on just to see if someone's firing off a great meme or a tweet or whatever. But last night, it's just like, there was the, the tweets weren't great last night. Either. There was nothing happening. The, the juice wasn't there in the NBA world. So I was just like, yeah, all right. That's all it. Right. This game's over. It was a Friday night. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, I don't know. There was a great hockey game on last night. Weren't there? Didn't the Tampa Bay Lightning mm. win in overtime, I think? Beat the Stars. They're up 3-1. Tass, you called it, man. Tampa Bay is going to win the cup. Hey, going okay. to, to be tough to celebrate with the cup this year. Ooh. Can't be you can't be drinking it and passing it around and stuff like that. You gotta wipe it down, Clorox that thing. <laughs> it's not it gonna down. be as fun, Tess. Uh come on, man. These guys are sweating on each other. No. You think <laughs> hockey players of any players, I'm sorry to stereotype, <laughs> hockey players of any Don't players are gonna be sanitary. Come these on. dudes these dudes are drinking out of their cups. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about actual jock straps. They'll be pouring in their jock straps. I grew up with some hockey players. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> the gross, the grossest of the four major sports. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands down. I mean, it's not even close. Who's oh. second? Football. Well, I don't know. There's baseball a lot of spinning guys in baseball. Are crazy too, man. Baseball guys are insane. I <laughs> <Yeah>. find. <laughs> That's I, a good I point. Uh, my old mate Benny, uh, he used to go and play pickup hockey. You know what? Do you, what do you call pickup hockey? I don't know. Just hockey shinny, mate. shinny. Some people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he used to come back, and his, you know, all his clothes were just so sweaty, and it, you know, maybe you wouldn't wash them for a day or two, and uh, oh man, it was just they just <laughs> really absorb all the sweat and grossness of uh, playing hockey. It's it's oh, bad. Yeah. There's just oh. so much material. <laughs> there is a lot. You're right. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. You would think, oddly though, you're in a cold environment that it wouldn't get as sweaty, yeah. but it's uh, yeah. not the case. I mean, it's brutal. Yeah, like I remember all the guys that played hockey. They'd all have it in their in their trunk of their car, right? Oh, and, and just, a massive, massive bag as well. Like the biggest bag you've ever <laughs> oh, seen. Especially if you knew a goalie. <laughs> <laughs> They'd yeah. have a van for that stuff. No doubt. No. The yeah. hockey bag, the grossest of the four major bags. <laughs> oh, no it's not even close. Not even close. Just, Those things stink. It's like, how do you wash that? How do you wash shoulder pads? Yeah. You, you got to do what I did, that uh, little technique I did on Instagram a while back where you got to like, strip the clothing. You got to have it in like borax and stuff like that in your tub for like eight hours. I'm not kidding, man. You're right. It's How do you wash that stuff otherwise? How do you wash that stuff? Yeah. Great question. Uh, look, I'll toss, I'll toss a one out there for football players, man. If, yeah. you wear, if you wear receiving gloves after two games, your hands smell like a piece of shit. Oh. There's no other way to put it. Your hands are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> 
You need some borax. Yeah, put your hand in the tub for eight hours. You need some 20 mule team borax. Look, let's talk borax here. My wife brought a box home recently, and the brand of borax was 20 mule team. Wow, wow, wow. What does that mean? What is a 20 mule team, and why is borax rated by the mule? I don't know. Weird. It sounds like it's it's a product that sounds like it was invented. 400 years ago and somehow 100%. it's still in use today doesn't make yeah. sense also i went 39 years of my life never heard borax ever said <laughs> and i've heard borax i'm just as guilty obviously said more in the last year than all the other years combined but you're right but it oddly has been around for like 400 years so yeah, like, what why, in the world is this thing yeah it just disappeared for a good chunk of time and now it's back in our lives but it does work i use it on my running clothes and uh Excellent. you guys saw it man it's crazy like your tub just becomes like black. It's crazy, Lee. You got to do it, man, with all your clothes, probably. <laughs> no, I just use the uh, vinegar. I put uh, vinegar in the wash now. It works like uh, a charm. I, gotta, yeah. I hate the smell of vinegar, though. Yeah, but it, it's it. incredibly effective at doing what it's supposed <laughs> to do. Because uh, the, the, our laundry, you know, like our washing machine, just after a few, after a while, it builds up and the stench yeah. is there. I, and I Googled it the other day, or this a couple of weeks ago now, and it said, just go with the vinegar. And now I do the vinegar every time I even wash my clothes, and it takes the stench out of them too. Okay. It's great. Nice little life hack here. Look at this. It is, this, yeah. Look at all this learning. All just right. don't put the baking soda in at the same time as the, uh, oh, yeah, as the, yeah. as the vinegar, though. Oof. Explosion. Oh, yeah. 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 Great for science that? experiments. No, oh. no, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, but, but no, so what I do is the vinegar in. And then you clean, clean the tub with that. And then you put the soda in afterwards and clean it again so it's all uh, sparkly and shiny. It's great. Oh, very nice. Very yeah. nice. Look at you. Mr. Mom over here. I like it. <laughs> are you, are you, you're a pretty cleanly guy. I, I roomed with you in a hotel for a long time when we were on tour. You keep things pretty tidy, I would say. I try to. Try to. Yeah. Especially when you're with somebody else in the room because you, you sort of want to sort of set the tone like, this is how I'm going to be. Hopefully, you'll be the same. And I think you were. I, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, 100%. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty I neat keep, and tidy. People, like... Hotel staff love me when I check in. It, I'll leave it cleaner than it was. <laughs> Serious. I do not like some people are insane to me in a hotel. Like yeah. they go they go overboard with like how crazy they leave a room. Like just garbage ever. I that's I find that a little weird. I mean someone You're talking it about Matteo here. He's got socks hanging from the rack. <laughs> yeah, Matteo's not that bad, but you're right. But yeah, he's doing some laundry in there for sure. For uh, sure. Yeah, I found a, a Matteo pair of socks in the middle of our uh. van console once. <laughs> now they were clean. Uh, they were, were not they dirty. Clean? They were clean. Yeah, they yeah. were clean. Yeah, yeah he, for, he had like them. forgotten them or something. He, he was ready to change wherever we were going. I think he wasn't wearing socks, or he was wearing socks, and he was just ready to freshen up at all times. Why in the console though? Why not in his own bag or somewhere that's personal? Why socks in a in a neutral holding position? <laughs> <laughs> what they were clean <laughs> but they weren't they weren't like uh, rolled up though either no they were just I, I remember folded. them just yeah, being, it, yeah it, folded yeah it's the, best way the tops the elastics were folded over each other now, well, how, do you you put, guys... how do you put your socks away Tass how do you fold your socks do you uh, do the ball technique do you what do you do I, I've gone with uh, the Marie Kondo technique uh, right, the vertical yeah. stacking was that what you, what <laughs> you would call socks? it? You I guess seriously that. don't do that, do you? Yeah, they're not vertical stacking, but they're they're lined up like okay, uh, wow. CDs in a. Uh... You do that with your clothes too, like your shirts and stuff. No. Oh, okay, just the, just the uh, just the socks, just the socks, undies. Wow. Nice. They're nice. Save Good. save so much space. <laughs> okay, great. Don't want to ruin your elastic when you uh, pull it around it, right? Stretches them out. <laughs> you got baggy socks. Come on. You ever see Matt Austin's socks baggy at his ankles? Never. Never. He's a folding kind of guy. Yeah, he just leaves them in a van. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's his way of teaching people. He's like, uh, you know, if I leave these here, they will inspire the next generation. All right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hopefully we have Borax. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you today about 20 Mule Team Borax. <laughs> the product, as you guys know, is named after the 20 Mule Teams that were used by William Tell Coleman's company to move Borax out of Death Cali, California. If you use our code NODUNKS at 20MuleTeamBorax.com, We'll send you a box in a $39 travel bag. That's no dunce. Just go to 20muleteamborax.com. <laughs> All right, great. Grammarly. It's great. So uh, I was getting ready to bang out a tweet the other night, and I composed it on uh, TweetDeck. Yeah. Foolishly, 
I just assumed it was grammatically correct, so I fired it off. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Then I got a response from someone saying something like, Yo, Lee, we haven't got time to guess what you're saying. And I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, you get some trolls and clowns on Twitter. I'm like, what, what is he talking about? So I reread it, and I realised I'd started writing the tweet, and then I sort of mid-tweet, I was like, no, hang on, I want to put this word in and that word. And I, it ended up with a sloppy old messy tweet. It was a bad tweet. Okay, well, what was it about? Uh, it was about Tyler Hero, saying how easily the game comes to him. It looks like for him, it's just like he's just out having a stroll on the beach. You know, something, it was, it was getting there like that. I and mean, I just had two tweets sort of combined into one to make one bad tweet. Right. Now, if I had composed this tweet in Twitter.com, I wouldn't have had this problem because Grammarly yep. would have picked up on the errors and sort of, it would have given me the frowny face, the little red <laughs> mark there to say, hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. You want to pump that baby out there? Because Grammarly kind of reminds me of Kit from Knight Rider. Okay. Remember how Michael Knight used to tell Kit his bad his ideas or what his plans were, and Kit was able to sort of, you know, research, advise it. Now, Michael, I advise you, you know, things like that. Basically, Grammarly is like Kit without the condescending tone. Hey, I've got a little joke here for you, Tassie, by the way. What do you call a Greek man parachuting? Condescending. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's the beauty of Grammarly. It's not just a talking car. It actually helps you build up your writing skills. So while my tweets wow. will remain... Oh, oh. That's, that's a kit. That's that what was the sound okay, used okay, to make. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so while my tweets... Look, they're going to stay bad. That's fine. But I can be safe in the knowledge knowing that from now on, I'm only going to compose them in Twitter.com. So grammatically, they will be bad, but correct. You understand what I'm saying? So that's that's what's really important here, because Grammarly is just... It it, it just makes sure that you know what you're sending out there before you send it. (laughs) Right. And I can't trust TweetDeck. So TweetDeck... You're out. Well, you can't trust yourself is the problem. <laughs> yeah, but Not let's put the deck. blame on TweetDeck. No, okay? it's for you. <laughs> Grammarly you know, is there to help. Yeah. Listen, listen. when you're in the when the game's going, you shouldn't tweet and uh, watch at the same time because you're distracted, especially if it's a tight game. You've just got to either pause the TV and get the tweet out or save it to the uh, end of the game or a timeout or something like that. So, yeah, some partly my fault, but mainly TweetDeck's fault. <laughs> anyway, good news for everyone out there. You can get 20% off Grammarly Premium when you sign up at Grammarly.com slash no dunk. Now do it because it is great. And you'll notice the difference immediately. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium at Grammarly.com slash no dunks. G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash no dunks. Uh, more than just a spell check. I can tell you that much right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so I got a random story here and then a random question. I think this one could be fun for everybody joining us live in the YouTube comments as well. I don't know if anybody's joining us live here on Saturday. I know you guys have maybe an eye on it, but uh, this is this is a great story. According to Chris Halliday of Simcoe.com, the Rosebud Motel, which is famous for being the home of the Rose family on the Canadian sitcom Schitt's Creek, which just like cleaned up at the Emmys, is up for sale. Okay, the Rosebud Motel. Its current owner is Jesse Tipping, who runs the Athlete Institute Basketball Academy and Orangeville Prep uh, in Canada here, and has used it as a residence for those who come to the school's basketball program. The best part we learned was Nuggets star Jamal Murray, Kitchener's finest, lived in the motel, that actual motel where they shot this, for two years. So this is just like a hilarious little story, a little cross-intersection of sports and, you know, pop culture, uh, what's happening in the news right now with them winning all the Emmys. I wanted you guys to tell me which sitcom residents have you always wanted to live in and why? What do you got, Trey? Well, that's tough, man. There's a lot of great residences out there, yeah. right? I mean, the New Girl Loft is beautiful. That reminds me most of a place that I would actually live. I'm like, okay, that looks like a beautiful apartment. It's mm-hmm. humongous. Uh, they've got to be playing like $4,000 in rent, but you just got to throw out what you think these uh, these homes and residences would cost. New Girl Loft is great. 
the home improvement house is great. You know, oh, you I think that, that uh, Tim the Tool Man would have some really cool things uh, all around. You know, he was always working on the classic cars in the garage. He's got a yard, which is nice, but obviously Skeet's. Fraser's apartment is oh. the place to be. It's shaped like a V. Like, who has a yeah. house or an apartment shaped like that? He's got that beautiful window looking out to, I guess, the Seattle skyline yep. or whatever it is. He's got a place big enough that you can fit a grand piano in it. <laughs> like, this man's got a grand piano. Just in the living room? <laughs> in the living room. And he's what? He's a, he's a radio host. So it makes mm. you think, uh, we're podcasters, man. We could get to that grand piano level, <laughs> living in a high rise in a super expensive city. Well, yeah, but you'd have to live with Steve. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to live with Steve. You gotta live with your dad, right? Yeah, but that's all right. You know, he can stay on the left side of the V. I'll be yep. on the right side of the V. That's a good one. That's a spacious, spacious condo Beautiful. they have. Elliot Bay Towers, yeah, Frazier. <laughs> uh, he's got the telescope, too, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a little Auto- intriguing. Nice stuff. Nice artwork, a lot of artifacts and stuff like that. That's a good one. Okay, what do you got, Tass? I think I'd go with that 70s show. Because uh, you oh. always... Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's a pretty standard house. <laughs> right. Um, but it's more the vibe. Everybody can just feel like they can get high at any time they want. <laughs> oh, the basement uh, would be great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The basement, I think, is underutilized in most sitcoms, but extremely utilized with that 70s hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so a lot of living down there, a lot of chilling out down there. Uh, I think they have a basketball hoop on the driveway. Pretty sure. Okay. And they hang out a lot outside as well. They utilize their space very well. Also, some great cars in that driveway. And... Uh, that's about it. I mean, I kept it simple. I yeah. just felt like it's a nice vibe. And, and somebody commented to me saying, if you were to make that type of show today in terms of era and when it was made, it would be that 90s show. That's how old it is. I mean, wow. that's how, it was like you know, 20 years after the, the decade ended. So that 90s show, not as cool. But uh, somebody should make that as well. Oh, we'll see it. Don't you worry. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, okay, the 70s show. Yeah, the basement, for sure. You're right. I was trying to think of all these sitcoms we watched as kids or whatever growing up. How many of them had pools? Like, did, did Fresh Prince, like, did they have a pool? As I can't remember. I don't think so. Yeah. No, I feel like they had a tiny backyard, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, they had yeah, no you, backyard. It's all really. house on that lot. It's like if you lived at Tass's house, that would be a 43-acre house <laughs> on a 44-acre lot. Well, yeah, there's also a huge guest room in the back of that house, too, taking point, up that point, yard, yep. right? Oh, right, right, right. Yes. But can anyone think of like a sitcom where they actually had the pool like and it was a part of the show? I can't at all. I'm sure there's got to be. There's got to be. But uh, it's Leo Routon's pool. <laughs> the, Simps- the Simpsons had a pool for a while there. But <laughs> put one I don't in, know if that yeah, one yeah. counts. Yeah. Okay. Well, what, what do you have, Lee? What house are you going with? Oh, Melrose Place. Melrose Place. That's not really. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, we've all actually been to one of the best houses because of the location it's in, uh, the uh, Full House out in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, right. We've seen the outside. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's a nice one. That's a great house and a great location, worth a fortune. But I'm actually going down to uh, 6151 Richmond Street, Miami. Okay. Going to live with my gals, Blanche. Dorothy, Rose, and Sophia in the Golden Girls' house. <laughs> well, that was a condo too, wasn't it? Was it a house? Or was it, or no, was it I remember they had the exteriors. The exterior was always yeah, a house. Right. Yeah, yeah, a right. house. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a house on a community, like, sort of, like, I mean, the, I guess that older was left, left up to your imagination there, really, wasn't it? Because it's funny you say that, because remember when any time someone came to the front door, that definitely looked like a, a condominium or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's why I asked that. Mm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, maybe someone in the comments knows. Uh, so which room are you staying in? I want to know who you're banging. Blanche. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Sorry, I asked. It's like you're, Lee was waiting for you to ask. It's like, what's what, taking so long? What do you uh, What do you remember of the Golden Girls like uh, house or whatever it was? Well, they had the like the little kitchen there and then the sort of, uh, what's that like? swingy door there oh i do into... like a swingy door yeah. like a saloon door <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah into the lounge room you never really saw actually anything else though other than those two rooms yeah, really you don't see bedrooms that often right no no i think they had a little Frazier, um, you see their bedrooms every once yeah in a while. i think yeah. they had a little out sort of outside area there too but they weren't really in that very often it was just uh everything was done at the uh at the kitchen table there or the or in yeah. the living room so yeah yeah 
Um, I, I also had Frazier written down, but then, uh, you know, I was talking to Trey a little bit uh, before the podcast. I knew he was leaning there, too. So I also thought of another one. Did you guys watch Webster? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all right. So <laughs> I like it because big old Victorian house in Chicago, uh, Trey. And my favorite part as a kid, and even now I still love this. When you find out somebody's got a secret passageway in their house. Oh, yeah, yeah, baby. I'm all in on secret passageways. And it, from what I can remember, Webster could crawl like through the laundry chute to get to the kitchen. Remember, he would pop out in the kitchen there. And then, I think, unless I made this up in my head, because I was trying to do some Googling and I was, I was struggling, to be honest. I think he could go through the grandfather clock. And in the living room, there was a big clock, and I think he could go into it, and then he would come in, he would somehow <laughs> pop out downstairs, like in the duplex downstairs, I think. Yeah. Somebody's I think agreeing think. with you in the comments. Okay. Hannah J said he okay. came out of the clock, didn't he? Yeah, and if I, if I remember correctly as well, they were maybe not in that house to begin with, and that actually was like a, a um, an episode where they went to this house, and it was like this creepy couple that had, all, of course, all these weird like hidden passageways. I remember there was a weird ladder somewhere but the, the story, the episode was super strange. Again, this is my weird memory from like a show from 1985. But like, the, the daughter had run away. But there was a creepy doll. Like, it was a creepy episode. Like, Webster finds this doll, but he thinks it's a person <laughs> the way it's set up. And then there's like, and like, I don't know. I just remember them like, oh, George didn't want to buy the house. He's like, why would we buy this house? It was strange, man. <laughs> TV was really weird back in the 80s. But uh, maybe I have it completely wrong. That's my memory serves me. But uh, yeah, I want passageways. Oh, my God. <laughs> Webster, man, too. That was a great. He was. Webster wasn't was he the, uh, he was the knockoff Gary <laughs> Coleman, was though, great. wasn't he? What's that? He was the knockoff Gary Coleman, wasn't he? Knockoff. Get out of here. <laughs> Webster was 100% cuter than Gary Coleman. Ah, <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> What'd you talk about, Skeets? <laughs> well done. Was George, a, was George a football player, Trey? Do you remember? Like, uh, I, don't re- I don't remember the occupations. What was his name? <laughs> yes, he was Greek, wasn't he? Yeah, George Theodoropoulos, maybe? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, Papa, 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 I think it was a Papa or something, yeah. yeah. Papa, 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 something. Papa, Um <laughs> You mentioned uh, Fresh Prince. Yeah. Good comment here from Jordan Rorsch. Fresh Prince had a pool at the guest house. Okay. I do remember that one episode. I don't think they used it very much, but if you remember, Carlton Banks had on a floaty around his waist, mm. and Uncle <laughs> Phil came came home. Oh, I do. I do remember him with that around him. Yeah. 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 Uncle yeah. Phil Uncle Phil was so mad. I think this was a dream sequence, but anyways. Are you going to have a party or something? Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. partying. Oh, they, yeah. it was happening. He was mid-party. And Carlton Bank. Sometimes Carlton had that uh, that character where he was the you know, tough guy. Yeah, I'm having a great time. I'm having a great time, Dad. And so uh, Uncle Phil came home, floaty around his waist. And so when Carlton said, "Yeah, what's up, Dad?" He popped his he popped oh, his inflatable. Yeah. And, and Carlton said, "Yo, pops, you popped my duck." And uh, that was the end of the party. <laughs> So I remember that once. That, that was, they never went to that though. They the never best went part, to the they didn't use the pool Fresh enough. Prince ever had was the uh, the Belle Biv DeVoe uh, uh, music video shoot. Oh yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's yeah. one of my favorite Fresh Prince episodes of all time. Oh my god. Oh man. Okay. Tatiana Ali sang, show. didn't she? She busted. Did she sing? Did Ashley Ashley Banks sang? I'm not sure she sang in that episode. Oh. Like, I just remember them trying to get in the video. Like that was the hilarious part. And what was what was um. Fresh she Prince's sings, other yeah. buddy, um, jazz, like, jazz. But there was another guy, and then he uh, was like, his whole joke was like, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> let's stop there. I'm glad we asked that question though. Let's hear from you guys. Any other? Was there any other good comments? Like uh, you know, houses people would want to live in. You guys don't. We don't need to throw them up if you don't. A want lot them of people them. are saying they want to live in Seinfeld's apartment. Which why? I mean, it's why? just it's a, it's an apartment. It's I mean, the location is incredible, no doubt sure. about it. But it's just gray. It's mm. tiny. Mm. Not huge. Super tiny. Um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't think that one's all that exciting. A lot of people to... also want to live at the Dunder Mifflin office. <laughs> like, at the office. <laughs> Set your sights higher, people. They also want to hear JD's answer. JD, oh, I don't yeah. know if you've yeah, got a great. sitcom home you would love to live in. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, uh, Nikilla, I think, in the comments said the Blackish House. 
That's oh, an amazing house. Yeah, it's an amazing it's a, house. Like what? What makes it amazing? It's like Just it's a mansion, basically, and it's mm. super modern, oh, wow, super yeah, clean. They renovated it, I think, in uh, season. Uh, maybe five or something and so it's uh it's it's a beautiful house but um i of course i want to live on coronation street (laughs) like every time i watch it i was like i want to live there it's like the most thought out tv neighborhood not so much for the like i I don't want to live oh my god i just realized it's called Coronation Street. I never thought of this. So what, all of the people live on the same street? Is yeah. that where it all happens? Well, and then there's, there's actually Victoria Court, which is <laughs> on Victoria Street, right next to Coronation Street. That's oh where I God. want to live. There's so a, it's a whole and neighborhood. There's a, a, like a, a, a loft, a, a warehouse loft that has been converted into luxury apartments. And that's, oh, where, wow. that's where I want to live, just because okay. the neighborhood is so great. There's so many, so many local businesses. I, I walk everywhere, <laughs> you know. There's like uh, every, every restaurant has a pun, you know. Like there's a chippy stand called For Your Fries Only. Oh wow, that's yeah. good. And then there's so do they do they go to the same places over and over oh, again? Yeah. Like, they're all sets. They're all there. Wow. There's a uh, there's a beast. There's the nice restaurant. That's the Viaduct Bistro. They go there. Uh, they go the, the Rovers Return, obviously. But there's actually seven pubs that are in the show. So all walking distance, oh, which is wow. perfect. And uh, you know, there's uh, there's there's a Pakistani restaurant. There's a Chinese restaurant. It's like it's great. And there's a there's a Freshco right there if I want all my groceries. Then there's a, the two corner shops I can go to. I mean, that's it's just Beautiful. the life's wow. the best lifestyle there is. Wow! Wow! All right. Okay. So, yeah. I'm glad we asked. I'm glad we asked. Let's take one more quick break. Hey, I'm Taz Mellis of No Dunks on the Athletic. Do you want to walk into a room with your chest puffed out, your neck long, and your shoulders broad? Of course you do. For me, getting clothes that fit properly can give me the confidence I need to do just that. Indochino hooked me up with the gear that fits perfectly. I dreaded getting dressed for my Zoom meetings, but now I change for each one with a big smile on my face. I did a virtual fitting on Indochino's slick website for them to get my measurements. I didn't have to talk to a single human. There are so many options. Here are a few I chose. A long shirt, because I tuck it in. I got a no dunks monogram, and I decided against a shirt pocket. I sincerely did not think that custom fit clothing was this affordable, and all customizations are included in the cost. The website keeps your measurements on file so you never have to re-enter them. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $2.99 with all customizations included. Indochino is a no-brainer if you're getting married. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment like I did and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter code TAS, not ass, TAS, T-A-S, at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code TAS. Okay, it's time for Tweet of the Night. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Lily. Yeah, so uh, I said it was uh, a bit of a <laughs> bit of a struggle there last night on Tweetsville, <laughs> but I found something that hopefully people will engage with, and it started with a uh, fairly innocent tweet here, mm-hmm. and it came in uh, from a person here called Brooke Martin, who's saying, but seriously, <laughs> there's only one answer. How do you like your bacon? <laughs> so we got a response from a friend of ours that we know, Cam Stewart. He said the answer is three, four tops, and I mean tops. I agree 100%. 100% he's correct. Someone replied there to uh, Mr. Stewart and said, apparently a lot of you like undercooked or basically raw bacon. I pity you. Which Cam replied, it's like a good cut of beef. It only needs gravy when dry and shit. (laughs) (laughs) And here is Cam. Let's have a look at Cam. Let's have (laughs) What is he, in Burnaby? (laughs) (laughs) So... The question is, how do you like your bacon, Skeetsy? You were uh, pretty adamant there. You oh, like- yeah. I, th- I think, honestly, I think Cam's exactly right. I go three. I can live with four. But you're going insane once you start heading into five and six. That mm. Some people some people do like it like that. I know that's a thing, like extra crispy. 
um, like where it just disintegrates. As soon as you touch that thing, it's into a million pieces. Yeah, three or four for me. I'm a three man probably. Yeah. I think I'm going one here, Lee. You wow. like uncooked carrots. I like uncooked <laughs> bacon. Just, uh, you know, for me, it's not so much a food as it is a gum. I just like to chew on it for a while. <laughs> no, I mean, three and four are the classics. I would go up to five if, uh, you know, Ooh, you're not wow. paying attention. You get a little extra crisp. Uh, that's fine. But uh, three and four, that's a that's the sweet spot. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd be leaning more to five if it's a really smoky piece of bacon as well, actually. I like it like that. But, um yeah it's <laughs> it's uh it's pretty gross actually bacon when you think about it it's uh really bad for you and it's so fatty but it tastes amazing and smells amazing too you ever been <laughs> you guys like heard about bacon that's that's the thing about bacon is like that smell is uh like you can't turn it down if you're in someone's house and they're cooking bacon you're oh like, see uh, see lee when i do my wash i put a little bacon in my laundry Makes everything smell gorgeous. You put vinegar, I put bacon. It's very nice. Try it out. Uh, Tass, what's your answer for this? I, I'm going for. Uh, I, okay. Unlike Trey, I don't want. I don't want gum bacon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but it's a nice balance. Like I'm worried three, two. I think they flipped the pictures. Two is almost three, and three is almost two. Like I don't know. Uh, you know what I mean? So I'm just worried. I can feel the gumminess happening right now, and that's why I know our friend Cam Stewart even commented a little later. Uh, that he said he likes back bacon. I'm, I'm with him. I'm a, a pea meal bacon. Woo! Doesn't get much better than that. It's it's the best balance of a smoky and a chewy without getting gummy, without getting rye, without getting burnty. Uh, JD, can you put that back up for a second? I just thought of this because uh, two to me, that's the type of bacon you get when you when you um, cook on an open campfire. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, you know what I mean? It's a, it can't, you can't get it as crispy. I find like on the griddle, griddle out there on an open uh, fire for some reason. So it's a little more, uh, well, raw, I guess. But what's your answer, JD? Oh, uh, I'm uh, Lee. Just uh, convinced me to finally try bacon. Uh, I've been avoiding it my whole life, but it smells it, great. It was such a such a great pitch that I, I, I I'm finally gonna pull the trigger on that, and I'm gonna try some bacon. Uh, four looks good to me. Four. 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 Yeah, okay. Yeah. Does it depend on? You know, is the bacon going on some pancakes? Is the bacon just a side complement to your eggs? You know, like does it matter at all? Like. Yeah. How the bacon's being implemented? I yeah, think it you know what? If it's going on to pancakes, I'm leaning towards the five. Just because I like the crispy. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Pancakes. And I also don't like pancakes, so like oh. I need something to to, <laughs> right. to give me some crunch because they're just floppy, flaccid, gross <laughs> cakes. Well, mm. <laughs> hey JD, on Coronation Street, do they ever talk about bacon buddies? That's a good question. Because that's a really traditional sort of English like. You know, weekend morning um, yeah. meal. You know, it's basically just bacon, no butter, just like ketchup or some sort of hot sauce, or not hot sauce, but like a barbecue sauce on a, on a like a really nice bun. Yeah, they're, you, know, they're you know where you could get a bacon buddy is probably Roy's Rolls. That's the place. It's the it's like coffee. Shop. It's called Roy's Rolls. I, Another pun. I am lost bacon in this conversation. Buddies. Can you explain what what are you saying a bacon buddy is again, Lee? You're so saying it's, it's a bacon it's, sandwich. It's basically a bacon sandwich, but it's uh, if you do it properly, it's on the right um, like a chia batter bread or something like that. Really okay. fresh with a little okay, bit of okay. barbecue sauce. There, they're amazing. I think it's more northern England. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Sounds better. Here, Chia better. Here, Chia um, Yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, there isn't a store that just sells bacon products in uh, Coronation Street, like uh, bacon powder. Bacon Hog powder. wild. That's Hog that's wild, the uh, yeah. that's the business I'm going to open when I move there. <laughs> If you ever try to bunt when I'm going for a no-hitter, we are throwing at your Chiabatta, all right? I'm telling you that. Oh, my God. All right, great tweet, Lee. No, that's great. I'm glad you stayed up and found that one. And that is, uh, I, I'm just, you know, for all the people out there who haven't heard of bacon, um, maybe, maybe Don't smelt start, it. man. Don't yeah. start. I think Michael Porter Jr. grew up as a uh, vegan, and then he tried bacon for the first time, and now he's hooked on bacon. So, you know, that's the way it goes. Bacon will get you. <laughs> Guys, I think he'd eat beef with the name Porter. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really thirsting for a bacon soda right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> West Finals Game Five tonight. Anthony Davis listed as questionable for Game Five because he rolled his ankle there. He has sprained left ankle at the end of the last game. I actually didn't really talk about it that much because I guess I didn't think it was that big a deal. But he may not play in this. Um, but Lee, why don't you get us started? 
besides the whether or not AD plays, what's one thing to watch for tonight? LeBron James. LeBron, LeBron James. James. Is he going to go out there and be like, let's kill these guys, kill them now, and it's going to have to be me from the start, from the mid-range where he's been struggling. Mm. Take it out. Take him out. He's uh, he, he wants to get to the finals and he wants to get rested. He doesn't want to have to play another game before, uh, let's say, Wednesday night if the finals start then. So does LeBron come out and end this thing as early as he can and really uh, try to suck the life out of Denver? We know Denver come back, and they've done that all series long, and or all playoffs long, I should say, uh, and they're a good team when they are behind. But will LeBron sort of be like, I'm going after Jamal early, I'm going to try to score early, and really just say this game in this series is over? Hope not, but I think that's what he's going to try to do. Okay, so LeBron putting his imprint on this game. Yeah, we'll see if the jumper's falling. Tass, what are you watching for this in, the, in this one? Yeah, I want to jump in after the LeBron comment because he guarded Jamal Murray for a few possessions at the end of the game, and mm-hmm. Jamal Murray was thrown off a little bit, I think, the first possession there. And just seeing the best player of the generation being on him. But I think Jamal Murray will have learned going into the uh, fourth quarter here. I expect this to be a close game. Much like the Celtics being on the ropes, I don't think the Nuggets are going to fold. So if the Lakers try and do something of that nature, if they try and put anybody else on him, I think Jamal Murray, uh, he's going to go number six on that bacon chart and going to burn the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, hes I, I feel like he can take LeBron. I feel like he can take anybody the way he's playing, uh, and uh, he's too good. So I think thrown off for a couple possessions, but I expect Jamal to bounce back. Trey, final thoughts on this one as we head into game five tonight? What do you think? I want an 8-inch bacon buddy from Michael Porter Jr. I don't need a full 12-inch, but he's got to play more than 20 minutes because the main problem uh, for the Nuggets in Game 4 was scoring and rebounding. I know Michael Porter Jr. is probably going to get some points back on the defensive end. He'll get hunted for sure, but he will definitely help scoring and rebounding. He's been the Nuggets' second-best rebounder during this series, and if you are got to clean the glass, put one of your tall guys out there. You're not getting much from Paul Millsap. If he's angry, I suppose ride the angry hand but i would like to see a little bit more michael porter jr he has won his matchup with kyle kuzma so i think he uh you could use a little more mpj all right we will see uh quick trivia here especially for you lee i'll throw it at you if the lakers win tonight lebron would reach his 10th nba finals can you name the three other players in nba history who have been to 10 or more finals well bill russell correct 12 uh 10 or more wow Magic? No, but no, you're close. nine. He went to nine. You're close. Uh, uh, Kareem. Say it. Kareem. Kareem. Kareem, yeah. he'd be tied with 10th, and you're forgetting... Uh, Havlicek. No, Uzi. but a Celtic. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Heinsohn. No. Don Nelson. No. Casey. Sam, uh, no. Put this guy around a can. He just said it. Who did? Kuzi. Kuz. No. No. Huh. It's not Kuz. <clears throat> Uh, it's a got a simple name, this man. It's a Sam Jones. Yeah, yeah Sam Jones. Jones. Yeah. Eleven. No, come on, Lee. I'm embarrassed for you that you didn't get that. I'm just kidding. So we will see. We will see if uh, the Nuggets can survive another night. I believe if both series end in six games or less, both conference finals, that it does still start the NBA Finals on Wednesday. I'm sure that changes if we get a couple game sevens, or it would have to change at that point. So we will see, but we'll be back on Sunday morning to recap tonight's game between the Nuggets and Lakers. Join us live on YouTube at 10 a.m. Eastern. You know, better yet, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that notification button so you know when we're going live. Email your questions and comments for the next Beach Step and Podcast, no dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at no dunks inc. If you haven't already, subscribe to the athletic, guys. Tell them no dunks sent you. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks. You can sign up right there at that link for a dollar a month right now. Unbelievable offer. And don't forget to go grab yourself some uh, sweet no dunks merchandise at no dunks.com. I talked to Fallen Arrows, our t-shirt company. Looking good for Monday with the new t- uh, new t-shirt. And we got a new no dunks pin if you want to pick up one of those as well. So both of those products uh, should be up in Monday's store, but we'll let you know when they're up there. And uh, I'll just say this about the t-shirt coming. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, folks. And remember, if you like cleaning as much as the No Dunks crew does, apparently, and you're on Instagram, go clean co. An incredible cleaning Instagram account that I've never looked at once, but my wife, Danielle, absolutely loves it. Go clean co. Embrace the day, people.